Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. This week we continue our series, Changing the Way You Think, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And today's message is the first part of a two-part message brought to us by our lead pastor, Mike Yearly. And it's entitled, Leadership. Well, today we're, uh, we're continuing in this series that we've been in now a few weeks, 1 Corinthians, Changing the Way That You Think. And uh, it, we t- come today to an important topic of leadership. And, of course, this was a hot topic for the Apostle Paul because his leadership in Corinth was often under attack. Uh, he was always being criticized. Uh, there were questions of, like, his giftedness. There were questions about his integrity. There were questions about his... Uh, his motives and his credibility. And so throughout not only 1 Corinthians, but also 2 Corinthians as well, this is almost like background music that goes through the whole letter that from time to time he's addressing issues of leadership because his leadership is being questioned. And also because there in uh, Corinth, new leaders have risen up after he left that are kind of leading the church in not such a good direction. Now, the good thing for us is that because this is an issue in the church there at Corinth, he raises a lot of key points about what leadership is all about. What does it look like to be a leader for God? What does it look like? What should we look for in our leaders? Uh, What is leadership uh, all about? And, uh, you know, if you stop and think about it, I would guess that most of us here are uh, today or have been in the past or will be in the future in a place of leadership. You might be thinking right now, like, oh, bummer, you know, topic of leadership. I should have gone to, like, Shepherd of the Hills today. You know, it's just like, like, I'm not really a leader. You know, I wonder if Francis is speaking on today. He always has a good story. You know, so, but if you stop and think about it, that you are probably in a position of leadership. Like, for example, if you're married, uh, you're called as a husband to be a leader of your uh, marriage. Uh, if you have children, you're called to be a leader of your kids. Uh, if you're in a, a manager in a business, you lead a life group here, you run a, a, a teach a Sunday school class, um, you uh, are a school teacher in the school, public school system, whatever. You see, we're all, most of us in one place or another are in a position of influence. We're in a position of leadership. And what we're going to be learning today is that God takes us very seriously. That when he raises you into a position of leadership, he's going to hold us accountable for that. So what does it look like to be a leader? Now, so what I'd like you to do is, even right now, in the corner of your note sheet, I would like you to write, to think through your life, and maybe jot down a couple areas where you really are a leader. Maybe you haven't thought of yourself like that before, but jot it down. Who looks to you for leadership? Who, uh, where is your place of influence in your life, the opportunities of influence, okay? Now, if you've got your Bibles... As you jot that down, I want you to be thinking through today, as we go through this teaching on leadership, I want you to be looking through those those lenses, those glasses. Okay, so maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a husband, maybe you're a, a, a manager at work, whatever. I want you to be listening to this whole talk on leadership through the eyes of, uh, you know, those, that lens. Because the reality is, is that leadership is leadership. Uh, Paul's emphasis, obviously, is leadership in the church. But leadership is leadership, and doing good leadership is good leadership, whether it's in the church or business or uh, family or whatever. So uh, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to chapter 3. This is where we left off last time. And you remember that, of course, the Corinthians, this was a big issue. They were dividing over their leadership. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. They were treating their leaders like they were celebrities, you know, like rock stars. Uh, they were treating their leaders as if they were like political party bosses, you know, like, oh, we're Democrats, we're Republicans. And they're bringing that whole mentality of divide and conquer 
into the church. And so Paul is going to write to them about leadership, and he's actually going to use several metaphors or analogies to help them understand what true leadership looks like. In fact, if you have your note sheet there, take a look at it. And, and first of all, on the front page, you see the first analogy he's going to use is that leaders are like farmers in God's field, okay? So the overarching analogy is going to be that leaders are servants. But then he's going to use three specific examples. Leaders are farmers in God's field. Turn the page, open up the page. The second analogy he's going to use is that leaders are contractors of God's building. Like God's building a building, we're, we're helping him build that. The third analogy is that leaders are caretakers of God's temple. And then the final section of chapter 3 is called Leadership Change the Way You Think. And he just wants to kind of, uh, kind of address the whole way we think of this issue of leadership. And so uh, this week and the next message, chapter 3, uh, Paul's going to address these issues of leadership in chapter 3 and 4. Today we're going to jump into 3. Next message on leadership we'll do chapter 4, okay? So... Let's take our Bibles, we'll pick it up at verse 3. Paul says, you're still worldly. In other words, you're still thinking like your culture around you. And uh, skip down to verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, as if your leaders are competitive, you see, um, are you not mere men? You're just, you're approaching leadership in the church just like uh, the culture approaches leadership in the world, divide and conquer. Verse 5. So now he goes into this first section there on leaders as farmhands. And he says, uh, what after all is Apollos? What is Paul? How should we think about leaders? He says, well, the bottom line is they're only servants. Okay? So that's his first analogy, that leaders are servants. This is the overarching analogy that we'll be coming back to over and over again today. Um, And he says, they're servants through whom you came to believe... There's like one fly in the whole place, and he just loves me. Look at this. It's like, whatever. I knew I should have washed this shirt. (laughs) Okay, so uh, be gone. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) It's like Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Um, One of the names for Satan. (laughs) We just got rid of him. Okay, uh, so verse 5, as we were saying, what after all is Apollos? What is Paul? Hey, they're only servants through whom you came to believe. And catch this, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. We'll come back to this several times today. But when you're in a position of leadership, it's all about service and it's all about the assignment. Okay? Now, uh, next verse, verse 6. He says, for example, and he's going to talk about different assignments that he and Apollos, he's kind of the, this, this other teacher in Corinth, um, he's going to use them as examples. He says, for example, I planted the seed. In other words, when I came to Corinth, I started the church at Corinth, Paul says. I, I kind of planted the seed in this field. And then Apollos, he came along later, and he watered it. He was more of a teacher, and he was a gifted leader. And so he says, so I planted, Apollos watered, but the important thing is that God made it grow. Verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Now, he's going to come back to this over and over again, this theme. But but, um, uh, Paul wants us to understand that it's possible to become too dependent on our leaders. Okay, And the Corinthians were too dependent on their leaders. And so um, he's not anti-leadership. Obviously, this is an overstatement here. He's making an overstatement to make a point. Uh, Because if if you have a farm, someone has to plant. 
Someone has to water, right? You're not going to have any crops. You don't plant and water. But his point is, compared to what God does in making things grow, no, uh, leaders are no big deal. Verse 8. Now, the man who plants and the man who waters, uh, they have one purpose. They're on the same team. They're not competitive. I'm, Apoll- I'm of Apollos. No, we've got the same, same goal. The man who plants, the one who waters, they have one purpose, and each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. And so he says, we're on the same team, but we will each be evaluated in our life individually as leaders, okay? And so we'll come back to that later. I want you to catch here, this is the first time he mentions this concept of reward. And this is huge, that one of the main themes we're going to be seeing today is that God will hold each of us accountable for our leadership. You're a mother, God's going to hold you accountable. You're a father, God's going to hold you accountable. You run a business, you lead a team, you run a ministry. Um, God will be um, evaluating your performance. It's a major theme of this we'll be talking about today. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, but you are God's field. You see, like you're the farm, uh, and you're God's building. And so now he introduces a second metaphor. So the first metaphor is that leaders or servants, they're like farmhands in God's field. We plant, we water, God gives the growth. The second analogy, if you want to turn the page, is the second analogy is that as leaders, we are God's contractors. We're his builders. And so at the end of verse 9, he introduces a second analogy about God's building. And in verse 10, he launches in, by the grace God has given me. One of the things we'll see today is when God calls us to a position of leadership, he never calls us to lead without equipping us to lead well. He graces us. And Paul says, um, God has graced me to be an apostle, to lead. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. So he says, I took it very seriously. Now someone else is building on it. Other leaders have come into Corinth, and they're building on his foundation. But each one should be careful on how he builds, okay? So he says, when you're in leadership, be very careful. Take the job seriously. And he gives some examples. For no one can, um, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid. Remember, the, the Corinthians were playing, remember, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we were tempted to play the Jesus Plus game. And so it's like, Jesus is good, but to really grow up spiritually, we need something else. We're going to play the Jesus Plus game. Well, here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, as you build in Corinth, as you leaders arise, as you lead the church there, he says, keep the foundation of Jesus and his ways. Keep that the same. Don't mess with the foundation. You see, that your whole building will get off. Verse 12, if any man builds on this foundation using gold and silver and costly stones, so you, you put expensive work into it, or you put inexpensive wood, hay, and straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. The day is talking about the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back. He says, when you, when you build in your life, when you're in a place of leadership, take it seriously. Use costly, uh, use gold, silver, precious stones. Do your job well. Take it seriously. Just don't just go out and buy cheap materials in your leadership just to hit and to miss. Don't do the wood, hay, and stubble because it's going to be evaluated. Now, how's it evaluated? Well, in the ancient world, the way a building was evaluated, its craftsmanship was fire. How does it stand up to fire? And he says, when Jesus comes back, he's going to evaluate our leadership with fire. So verse 14 If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. Notice the second time that Paul uses the word reward. But if it's burned up, he will suffer loss. 
He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Let me ask, have any of you ever had your house burned down or you've known someone who's had their house burned down? Let me show hands. Okay, quite a few. Yeah, we're up here in fire country. Um, I've had friends whose house has burned down. And they always have a real mixture of feelings about this. On the one hand, they're so thankful that they weren't burned in the fire. They're so thankful that they escaped the fire in time. But they're devastated that their life's work and memories and all that has been lost in the fire. And so there's this mixture of, wow, I'm so glad that I was saved, but I'm so devastated we lost everything, right? And so Paul says that in our lives, when God puts us in a place of leadership and we do a poor job, we will be saved. Jesus is not going to come to you and say, you did a poor job of leadership, you're losing your salvation, He says, but on that day, you are going to be devastated because your life that could have accounted and amounted to so much has amounted to so little, you see? So that's the second analogy, that we're we're servants, we're like farmers in the field, we're like um, contractors on the job, build well. But the third analogy, then comes the next verse, we're like caretakers of the temple. Verse 16, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple? Now, of course, in Corinth, they had all kinds of temples, didn't they? They had temples to Aphrodite. They had temples to Apollo. They had temples to Poseidon. All kinds of temples. Of course, the Jewish believers in the church, they knew about the temple in Jerusalem, a place where God would meet with them and dwell with them. But Paul says in this new era, since Jesus has come, God doesn't reside in buildings. We need buildings to meet in. I'm thankful for this building. But there's something holy about this building. What's special is you. See, you are the church of Jesus. You are the temple of God. He resides in our lives once we give our life to him. He says, don't you know that you, the church of Corinth, he says, you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. And therefore, take your job seriously because if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. He says, you leaders in Corinth, take your job seriously because you're leading God's church. His temple is sacred. You're that temple. Okay? So that's the third analogy. Now, this last section, he just wants to end up, he's kind of with a wake-up call again. Hey, don't think like the culture. You're Christians now. You need to think, change your way of thinking, and especially in regards to leadership. So he says in verse 18, do not deceive yourselves if any one of you thinks he's wise by the standards of this world. He needs to become a fool so that he can become truly wise. For the wisdom of this world, this culture, this age, it's foolishness in God's sight. And he quotes the Old Testament as it's written, he catches, God catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, another quote, the Lord knows that the uh, the thoughts of the wise are futile. And so he says, no more this boasting about men. Remember there, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paul separating. There's no more boasting about men, it's crazy. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. He's like, hey, they're all yours. You've come to Jesus. These are all gifts. It's not, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus, I'm a, of Cephas, a Peter. He says, they all belong to you. Just a little sidebar here. You know, we make this mistake in the church of Jesus today, don't we? I mean, even here in Southern California, you know, sometimes it can be, I'm of John MacArthur. Oh, no, no, I'm of Chuck Smith, right? Oh, no, I'm of Rick Warren. Uh, oh, no, 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 I'm of R.C. Sproul. I'm, you see what I'm saying? And what we do is we, we think that we have to pick and choose as if, oh, if I'm of John MacArthur, then I can't be of, jo- of Chuck Smith. 
You see, we have to pick and choose. And what Paul's saying is, you're crazy. These guys all belong to Jesus. They all belong to Jesus. And he has different assignments in their life and different, uh, and different insights. And they're not always going to agree. But if you belong to Jesus, guess what? These guys all belong to you. These are all belong to him. And so it's not an either or separating out. Let's learn from all of them. Let's grow together. We're all in this together. So he says in verse 21, So then no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or John MacArthur or Cephas. And, and then he just goes off like Paul often does. In fact, he says, And the world belongs to you, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours. You are of Christ. Christ is of God. The point is, when you come to Jesus, you get everything Jesus has. Right? And Jesus owns the present, and Jesus owns the future, and Jesus owns your past. And Jesus owns this leader and that leader and the world to come and life and death. And Jesus has it all. And if you belong to Jesus, guess what? You get the whole, whole deal. It's a package deal. When you come to Jesus, it's a package deal. Everything that's his now belongs to you. Okay? So that's the passage. Now, in the time that we have together, what I want to do today is talk about some principles of leadership. I'm calling it Leadership 101 because these are really sort of basic principles, but they're so important for us. As we move into our future as a church, they're so important for us as you lead well in your life. And so um, they're going to flood out of chapters 3 and 4. We're going to look at three principles today in this message. Next message, when we go to chapter 4, we'll look at three principles there. Now, obviously, there's more than six, right? In these two, in these two chapters, there's more than six, but we've got to stop somewhere. So I picked three and three. Okay, so let's jump in. Number one, the first lesson that jumps out to me about leadership and again, be thinking in terms of the leadership in your life, where, you, where you're leading today, what you wrote on your note sheet earlier. Number one is that leaders are servants, they're not celebrities. When God calls you to be a leader, he's not calling you to be a celebrity, he's calling you to be a servant. A couple of weeks ago, there was the Country Music Awards in uh, Las Vegas. And a friend, uh, a new friend here at the church, uh, it turned out we, we are friends now. I didn't know how the day was going to go, but we, uh, he invited me. He's, he's part of the production team for that, that show. And so, uh, uh, and so he invited me to, to uh, go down there for the day with he and another buddy. So we drove down, got a convertible, drove down to Las Vegas for the day, and then saw the show and watched the dress rehearsal and all that thing. And then, then we drove back um, that night and got in like at 1.30 in the morning. And uh, it was really an amazing blessing because we had an elder meeting at 5.30 in the next morning. And so, um, but uh, we were only interviewing an executive pastor candidate, so it's nothing important. But anyway, um, so get home at 1.30, get up at 4.20, bless the Lord for the elders. Anyway, um, so and they're like, well, why are you in Las Vegas? You're our pastor. Anyway, that's another story. Um, <laughs> okay, try to stay away from that one. Um, anyway, so. Uh, it was just fun to be there because, you know, I had a production pass. And so it was just so cool because you'd walk where normal people would try to go and they'd say, oh, sorry, you can't come in here. And we would just like flash the badge, you know. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. And so uh, for one day, I was really somebody. And uh, so, so it was just fun, you know, like walking through and, and seeing different people. And we went by the dressing rooms and as we're going, there's a real crowd. And we look in, I think it was Keith Urban in there getting his hair done, you know, and, and different things. And the guy I was with bumped into Sarah Evans, knocked her into a locker. And, and so anyway, um, it, it was just kind of fun, you know, seeing the celebrities. But oftentimes we think this, that when God calls us into leadership, he's calling us into be a celebrity. You know, a small little celebrity or big, you know what I mean? He's calling us celebrity. That's not that. When God calls us into leadership, he's really calling us into service. And it's all about serving him in the assignment he has. I want you to take your Bibles and look there at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. 
He says, um, what is Apollos? What are Paul? Now remember, to us, they're celebrities, right? This is the Apostle Paul. I mean, would you, would you agree with me that's like a spiritual celebrity? <laughs> uh, we get to go see, hang out with the Apostle Paul today. I'll tell you what, I'm telling celebrity. But Paul says, no, no, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They're only servants. And then look what he says at the end of the verse, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Now, this is how we have to start an understanding of leadership, that when God calls us to be a leader, we have to understand he's calling us to be a servant. And our job is to find out what his assignment for us is in that place of leadership where he's placed us. So, for example, I've got two daughters, a son-in-law. My job as a leader in their lives is to say, Jesus, what do you want to do in the life of my daughters? What do you want to do in the life of my son-in-law? And how can I help that happen? You see, that's what it means to be a leader. God, what do you want to do in the life of our church? What do you want to do in this life group? You own a business. What, God, what do you want to do in my business? I'm a manager, I'm in, and you're a manager in your business. What do you want to do through my leadership here? What do you want to do in my department? See what I mean? This is what leadership is about. Leadership is about God, being a servant of God and saying, what does God want to do in your life in that sphere of influence? Now, let's take a, uh, uh, move to the right a little bit to for, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, First uh, and Second Corinthians are like an ongoing dialogue between the Apostle Paul and and uh, Corinth. And so we often think of them as separate books. Of course, they are separate letters, but they're an ongoing discussion. And this whole issue of leadership and the, the Corinthians questioning his leadership and his credibility, it's the, it's the background music throughout both books. And so this, this topic of leadership and what it means to be a leader keeps coming up. And in verse 5, chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul says this. He says, we do not preach ourselves. You know, so Paul and his, his entourage, his team, he says, we do not preach ourselves. He says, our, our job is not to make a name for ourselves in Corinth. He said, I, I know that you want to do that. I'm of Paul. I'm of Paulus. You think that your job is to make a name for us as leaders, like we're celebrities? But he says, that's not it. We do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. He said, our job as leaders is to help you come to a place where you submit to the leadership, the lordship of Jesus in your life. That's our job as leaders, to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And he said, our job, ourselves, our job is we're your servants for Jesus' sake. See, what does Jesus want to do in your life? What does Jesus want to do in the life of this church? What does Jesus want to do in the life of your family? You see, to, to be a servant means to come under his leadership and to say, Jesus, what do you want to do in the sphere of influence where you've placed me? What is my assignment? And to carry it out for Jesus' sake. That's what it means to be a leader. You know, a few weeks ago, I was reading through the Old Testament. And, you know, we're doing, for many of us in this, uh, we're, we're reading through the Bible this year and the life journals that we have. And if you've been following along, a few weeks ago, it was in 2 Samuel. And there's this great passage about leadership there. It's one of my favorite verses about leadership in all the Bible. It's this time where uh, David has now risen to power. He's got, uh, God's given him the perks, the power, the privileges, uh, influence, uh, he's become a very powerful king. And yet, the Bible says something very important about David's perspective on this. And it's there in your note sheet. I, I printed this one out for you. Second Samuel 5, 12. 
It says, David realized that the Lord had made him king over Israel. As you put him in this place of leadership and had made his kingdom great. So he had all this power and prestige and so on. Why? So that David could be happy? No. For the sake of his people, Israel. You see that? God realized, David realized that God had raised him to a place of influence and leadership and power and personal, but it wasn't about him. It was about his people. You see, God put him in a place of leadership so that he could bless those under his leadership. And this is one of the most important principles of leadership is that when God puts you in a place of leadership, it's not about you. You see, he puts you in a place of leadership for the sake of those who will follow. You see? And we get it opposite, don't we? The way the world looks at leadership is we rise to a place of leadership so we have the power, so we have the prestige, so we have the perks, and so we fight to get to the top so that everyone will serve us. I mean, after all, isn't that why we had kids? <laughs> right? And, and Paul comes along and goes, no, 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 leadership It's not about being a celebrity. Leadership is about service. And that's where we need to start. And as we build a foundation for our future here, and God's going to call many of you in this church to rise in leadership. Many of you are already leading. But there are some of you here that God has places of leadership for you in our future. That God is going to do amazing things for this church, and it's going to be through you. As God calls you to new levels of leadership. And as he calls you, it's so important that you remember and you embrace this. That leadership is not about being a celebrity. It's about being a servant. Finding out what God wants to do. Getting clear on your assignment. And then taking steps in that direction. Okay, number two. Number two is that leaders are important. But it's what God does that counts. You see, the Corinthians, they had this view of leadership that their growth was dependent totally on their leaders. They were putting way too much stock in leadership. I'm a Paul. I'm a Apollos. I'm a Peter. Why? Because they were linking their future and their success to these leaders. That, hey, if Paul weren't here, I wouldn't be successful. I want to be of Paul. And uh, Paul's coming along saying, no, no, no. These leaders aren't responsible for your growth. Yes, they have an important role to play in your life, but it's God who's in charge of your growth process. Let's not get these things mixed up. And so he makes this huge overstatement that, oh, leaders aren't anything. It doesn't matter who plants or who waters. And obviously he doesn't believe that because you can't have a harvest without planting and watering. And beyond that, in the rest of his teaching, for example, Ephesians chapter 4, he says that God has given to the church certain kinds of leaders, apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And he says, these leaders God has given to the church so that you can grow up and become like Jesus. And so, very clear. In Hebrews chapter 13, the author to the Hebrews, he writes and says that you are to obey your leaders and to submit to them, um, to their authority, because they have to answer before God for your growth. See? So, so leaders are plays a huge important role in our life. He's not anti-leadership, but what he wants them to catch is that there can, there's a possibility for us to become too dependent on our leaders. To think, if God, uh, you know, if I didn't have this leader in my life, man, what would I do? It's like, hey, guess what? God's the one in charge of your growth. In fact, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
As Paul begins laying the, the groundwork for this teaching way back in the introduction, he knew this problem was happening. And so way back in the introduction, he starts laying the foundation for this teaching in chapter 1 and verse 8. Now, remember, the Corinthians are like the poster children for messed up churches, right? They're like dysfunctional church. Welcome to Corinth. You know, would you like to serve here? And so they've got every problem in the book almost. There's a couple that they missed probably unintentionally. But in verse 8, so he's talking to this really messed up church, but he says, hey, look, he, being Jesus, the flies back, um, he will keep you strong to the end. He says, Jesus will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of Jesus. I know you're all messed up in Corinth, but I just love you guys because God is working your life. And he says, you know what? Jesus is at work. He's going to keep on perfecting you until you get it all right. To, to work this thing out. And in verse 9, God who called you into fellowship with his son, the guy who started, God the start, who started this process in your life, he's faithful. He's going to keep working in your life. Paul wants him to understand that, yes, these leaders are important. Paul and Cephas, Apollos, yes, they're leader, but, but they're important. But God is the one responsible for your growth. Now, there's a couple mistakes that we need to, uh, to avoid when we step into leadership. And so, remember, you're leaders, right? You're, you're moms and dads and husbands and wives and business leaders and ministry leaders. So, there's a couple mistakes that we need to avoid when we step in based on this principle that it's God who, wanted, who does what's count, uh, what really counts. Number one, and it's there in your note sheet. You can fill in the blanks. Number one, here's a for, mistake number one when you're in a place of leadership and when God blesses, okay? So you're, you're leading and it's going well. You're raising your kids. They're coming out great. Um, you're, you're running a business. It's going, you know, it's hitting on all cylinders. You're running a ministry. It's taking off. God's blessing. The, the first mistake we want to avoid is to take too much credit. This is mistake number one is that, that, that I, I don't know if you've thought of this, but can you remember back to certain times in your life you're just stepping into leadership? Like, for example, um, let's say that you're, you're married and let's say that you're happily married, okay? Um, if you're married and you're happily married, I would bet you that if you were Christians when you got married, you probably look back to the time when you got married and there was a time when you were calling on God for his mercy, there was a time when you go, God, we're getting married. We don't know what we're doing. We just, we don't want to have a divorce. We want to have a happy marriage. And so, God, we don't know what we're doing. Could you just help us out here, right? And you're calling on God, right, just for his mercy because you just feel so weak, right? Um, for those of you who have children, do you remember when you had your first child and you felt so incompetent? You just, you, what are we doing, you know? God, would you just help me? You help me not to kill this child. Help me not to fall off on his head again. I remember once when, Lynn, I don't know, was it, was it you that Alyssa fell off or was it me? Remember she fell off? Wasn't you? Okay, I guess it was me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I couldn't really remember. Probably a repressed memory. But I remember once when our daughter was about six months old and I was changing her diaper and she's on that little changing table right there. And I just turned around and did something for a second. I came back. She's face down on the floor. It's like, oh, God, I, I hope I can kill her, you know. And so he's like, you raise her up, it looks okay. And like, wow, I, I guess that's okay to drop kids. Like, you know, it's like, because it worked out all right. Like, whoa, you know, they're, they're very resilient. You know, I, I couldn't drop Lynn like that. She wouldn't be okay. It's just, you know. 
And you just, you know, do you remember those days? For those of your parents, you remember those days, and you're just like, man, you know, they haven't gone to the bathroom in three days. Are they, they going to explode? You know, it's just all the questions that you just have, and you just, God, and you call out to God. And then if God blesses you over time, and your children grow up, and they're walking with God, and they're doing well, there's such a tendency, isn't there, to then forget all those crises times where you called out to God, and pretty soon you're taking credit for ourselves. It's like writing a book on how to raise kids, you know, until the third one comes along or whatever. Uh, you, you start off in a business and you, you don't know what you're doing and you're over your head and you're calling out to God and it's this new career thing or whatever and you don't know what you're doing and, you, and you're calling out to God and so many times and you ask him to come through for you and he does. You plant, you water and God gives the growth and then after a while we begin to forget and we begin to take the credit for it. We forget all that God did. Isn't that true? This is one of the biggest dangers of leadership is that if we plant and we water and God gives the growth, that we begin to take the credit for it. Um, I want you to take your Bibles and turn back to the Old Testament to Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, the nation of Israel is just going in the promised land, getting ready to. And Moses tells them, God really wants to bless your lives. And if you walk with him and you do what you're supposed to, he is going to bless you. He says, but there's a tremendous danger here. And the danger is, is that when God blesses, you'll forget where the blessing came from and you'll start to take credit for it. And so in verse 10, chapter 8 and verse 10, he says, um, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. And be careful, you do not forget. It's so easy to forget. Verse 12, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and you settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied, so life's going great. You are on a roll. You know, life is going so well. He says, here's the danger, verse 14, that your heart will become what? Proud. See that? And you will forget the Lord your God. This is the danger. When God, when God puts us in a place of leadership and we plant and we water and it goes well, there's such a danger of forgetting. We forget all those times when our business was about to go down the tube and we just had to get a line of credit and no bank was going to give it to us and it was impossible to get it and we called out to God and someone unbelievably offered us a line of credit that allowed us to get through the next season and got back on our feet and we kind of, and we'd be very successful business and we forget those days. And so he gives them examples from their own life. Verse uh, uh, 14, your heart will become proud. You'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember you were in slavery. Verse 15, remember he led you through the vast and dreadful desert. Remember how hard that was. The thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. Remember, you're going to forget that. You're in the promised land. You're going to think you're so cool. You're going to think you're so successful. You're going to forget how you almost died and how God saved you. Verse 16, he gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble you and test you. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, hey, you plant, you water, but remember it's God who gives you the growth. And when you're in a place of leadership and God blesses, he says, don't get a big head. Remember who's responsible for the success. Now, there's another danger, though. And the second danger, when we move into a place of leadership, is we take too much responsibility. 
And I've, I've, boy, I've been on both sides of this equation. I take too much responsibility. In other words, um, there's sort of an assumption that if I just go out there and I plant and I water, then the growth will come automatically. And so if I plant and I water and nothing's happening, God isn't blessing my leadership, then the assumption is I must be doing something wrong. Now, this is equally a trap for us in leadership because we plant, we water, but it's God who gives the growth, right? It's God's one responsible. So, so what this looks like is you get into a place of leadership, you think you're doing everything right and everything's going wrong and there's this assumption there's something wrong with you. And that's not the case. Uh, for example, in raising kids, my heart goes out to parents sometimes who have raised, done a great job of raising their kids. They love their kids. They've invested in their kids. They brought their kids up in the Lord. They've not been perfect, but they've been good parents. And maybe they have a couple of kids who are walking with the Lord, but they have one child who's like far from God, doesn't want anything to do with God. And the parents will beat themselves up saying, what did we do wrong? Well, chances are nothing. You see, there's an assumption almost that if we plant and we water, it will always work out. No. We plant, we water, but it's God who gives the growth. Sometimes it works out, sometimes not. I talked to a man recently, and he, uh, he started a business, sixteen, uh, and, and this business ran for 16 years, and it went really well, expanded into six states, did really well. And then all overnight, his vendors dried up, and he went bankrupt. And now he's not in that industry anymore. And you say, well, what did he do wrong? Well, he may have done something wrong. He may have planted wrong. He may have watered wrong. It's possible. Whenever we're facing hard times in our leadership, we need to go back and say, did I do something wrong? Is there something for me to learn? That's a great thing. But see, the assumption is for a lot of people that, oh, he must have done something wrong. It may not be. God may be up to something totally different in his life. God wants to redirect his life. He wants to redirect his career. He wants to redirect his... You never know what God is up to. But our assumption is when things don't go right, we must be doing something wrong. It's not the case. God could be working on your character. God could be preparing you for something else. I remember one of the ministries I was involved with... um, was uh, after, uh, at a previous church, I was there and I was there for about 10 years and I'd led the small group ministry and it had gone really well. And, and so, but I was getting tired of that. So we brought in someone else to lead the small group ministry. And I remember we had four senior pastors at the time and the four of us went over to the Carlsbad Inn in Carlsbad, California, and we got a whiteboard out. And it was, um, um, we were a church of about 2,000 at the time. As so we put this whiteboard up and we said, what are we not doing right now as a church of 2,000 that either we could be doing or should be doing? What kind of ministries are we not doing? And all kinds of things went up on the board. And so uh, one of the things on that board was a singles ministry. There was no really good singles ministries in our, in our area, and we didn't have a singles ministry to speak of. And so um, this one of the things, and I still remember these three guys all of a sudden just bore down on me, and they said, so Mike, um, what do you think about starting a singles ministry? And I, I looked at them about like I'm looking at you right now. Kind of deer in the headlights. Like, oh, I've never thought of that. And they said, well, why don't you think about that? And so we began to pray about it. And we, yeah, I think we should. And they said, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you give it uh, your best shot? Give it a couple years. If it goes well, we'll hire a singles pastor to come and lead that and then release you to other things. And if it doesn't go well, we'll just give it a good Christian burial and say we gave it our best. We gave it our best shot. 
And I said, okay. And so I began to research and read and study and go visit Singles Ministries. And a vision began to develop. And I began to see this thing in my head. And a leadership team was formed. And, and we began a program. And it seemed like a good program. It seemed like it should be hitting at all cylinders. But I tell you, that first couple of years, it just was not hitting. It was really struggling. And can I tell you, during that time, I was struggling. It was like, I was planting. I was watering. Why isn't there growth? You see? Why isn't God blessing? And it was a time of really, uh, it was a hard time for me. Something wrong with my leadership, something wrong with my teaching, something wrong with the vision. What's wrong with me? You see? Taking too much responsibility. And at the end of about two years, we were about ready to kill the ministry and give it a Christian burial. And about that point, we said, well, before we do that, let's try a couple things. And we tried a couple things, and all of a sudden, it began to take off. And within a couple of years, it was like, I don't, the, like the largest singles ministry, as far as I know, in the state of California. God really blessed. But you look back at that time, and now as you look back at it, you can say, okay, during that time, God was up to something. What was he doing? He was shaping me and my heart. He was shaping, he was bringing together the core of people. He was getting us really clear on our vision. That no matter what, we weren't going to compromise our values. We were going to be a singles ministry. It was about being passionately in love with Jesus, about uh, positive relationships, connecting Christians together, and that we were going to have high standards, and that we were not going to become a Christian meat market, no matter what. That no matter what, that we would rather kill it than do something that would bring dishonor to the Lord. You know? And these things were being shaped during those two years, and God was building a foundation that later was going to build on. But did I know that during the time? I didn't have a clue. You see, and so what happens in our life is many times we can be midstream in God's process of leadership. And we wonder, what in the world is going on? Is there something wrong with me? We're taking too much responsibility. Let me tell you something. When God puts you in a place of leadership, all he asks you to do is to be faithful, to do your best, to serve him, to carry out his assignment the best to your ability, just be faithful, and then you trust God for the results. So the results, the growth, that's up to him. Okay, so that's the second principle. Leaders are important, but what, it's what God does that really counts. And number three. The third principle is that leaders are accountable, so take it seriously. Leaders are accountable, so take your leadership seriously. This is one of the principles that jumps out at me from this passage all the way through. It's this concept of reward. That, that God, when he puts us in a place of leadership, that he is going to evaluate our leadership. He's going to hold us accountable. Uh, for example, take your Bibles and look at 1 Corinthians 3.8. It says, the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. In other words, uh, Paul, Apollos, different leaders, we're all on the same team. We're all trying to help people grow. But he says, each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. So when God puts you in a place of leadership, he's going to be um, holding you accountable for your leadership. Now, in this whole realm of leadership, there are no group grades. Okay? When my daughter was in uh, uh, business school, and working on her business degree, uh, the school she went had put a tremendous emphasis um, at her college, put a tremendous emphasis on group uh, group work. And so you'd be given these projects as a, a team, and then you, you'd be divided into groups, and then you'd have this group project you have to do. Well, it's kind of a bummer because it was college. 
And a lot of these kids weren't taking it seriously. So what would happen is you might have a group of eight to ten kids working on, a, on this, this business project, but maybe only two or three are taking it seriously. So what happens is you're all going to get the same grade. And so the two or three would just kill themselves to pull off a good project, you know, because they care about the grade. And then everyone gets the same grade. Have you ever been? It's just so frustrating. <laughs> okay, you've been there, yeah. And so... Um, and we used to talk about it all the time. And it's like, well, it's, you know, you can't fire them. You know, they're students or whatever. And so um, that's just the way it was. Well, what Paul is saying here is that, hey, Paul and I, we're on the same team. We're trying to accomplish the same goal for the kingdom. But he says, when it comes to your leadership, there are no group grades. No group grades. That each one is going to be rewarded individually. We're gonna, so think of the implications of this. Like if you're married, you have kids. You're raising kids. Do you realize moms and dads, that you are not going to get a group grade for your parenting. You realize this? We often think about this. It's like, okay, so, hey, you know, we're parenting our kids, and we think we're going to get a group grade. No, we're not. It's like, moms, you're going to be evaluated on, are you being a good mom? How's your leadership as a mom? Dads, you're going to be evaluated on how you're doing as a leader of your kids yourself. You see, there's no group grades. Each of us stands on our own in this. And so the Apostle Paul says that we are all going to be held accountable. There's going to be a reward. He says in 3.14, again, if what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. And what this means is it's so important that when God puts us in a place of leadership, that we take our leadership seriously. Look at 3.10. Look what Paul says. He talks his, uses himself as an example. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation, catch this, as an expert builder. You see that? He, he, Paul was taking his leadership seriously. He's not messing around. He says, hey, God's given me a task. He's given me an assignment. I want to be an expert builder. He says in verse uh, 12, that's why he, he's going to use, um, he's going to build on the foundation with gold and silver and costly stones. He's not going to, he's going to use wood, hay, and stubble that's not going to survive the, the, the test of time. So here's a question for you. Hey, you're a leader. You're raising kids. You're leading a company. Whatever you're doing, here's the question. Are you leading well? Are you leading well? Are, if you're a husband, are you leading your life, your, your wife well? You see? If you're leading a life group, are you understanding the significance of that leadership position? Are you leading well? Or is it a hit and a miss the night, you know, kind of the, on the way home from work, you know, it's like, oh, I'll get that meeting. I'll look at the notes real quick, you see. A wood, hay, and stubble. You're, you're teaching kids in the Sunday school. You're running a department at work. Are you leading well? Is it gold and silver and precious stones? You're investing in your leadership and people you lead, or is it hit and miss, the wood, hay, and stubble? We're going to end up with one passage in 2 Corinthians. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul talks about this and really hones in on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse uh, 9. Paul says, So we make it our goal in life to please him. So that's the bottom line. You know, here at Rocky Peak, when you join the church of Rocky Peak, there's seven commitments you make to the Lord and to the body here, to the leadership. Remember, commitment number one is that we would please him as our top priority in life. That's what comes from this verse. So Paul says, We make it our goal to please him. That's what we're really shooting for. Verse 10. Why? Because we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due him 
for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. He says, we make it our goal in life to please him every day, to live our life. Why? Because we understand that we're going to be evaluated. We're going to be held accountable. We're going to have to stand before him. And on that day, all that's going to matter is whether we've lived the way he wants us to and whether we're pleasing him. And so we're, we're going to live every day in light of that day. Now, of course, this is true in all of life. It's, in, it's in true that, you know, whether we do, where we handle our, you know, our marriages or finances or, you know, our personal purity or whatever. You know, it's like this is true of all of life. But today, the passage in 1 Corinthians 3 that we've been studying, the emphasis is on leadership. He says, when God puts you in a place of leadership at the end of your life, when Jesus comes back on that day, he says, then you're going to be evaluated. Your leadership is going to be evaluated. And you want to make sure that it passes the test so God can reward you. You don't want to be a day when you lose everything. You, you make it into heaven, but you have no reward. He says, you, you want to be in a place where God can reward you. So this lesson that we've talked about before, that's a huge lesson in the New Testament, that this life is all about the next life, you see. And the Apostle Paul says, when you're, God puts you in a place of leadership, lead well. Take it seriously. God will be with you. He'll help you. But do your best. Be faithful because one day that leadership will be evaluated. And you want to make sure that you're ready for the reward. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day that we can study your word, Lord. And thank you for this amazing word that you've given us. God, we just would not have a clue about leadership if it wasn't for your word. That comes and says to us, hey, it's not about being a celebrity. It's about being a servant. Hey, and take it seriously, but remember it's that what, what I do that really counts. And do a good job because you'll be held accountable. I want to reward you. And Lord, we just pray that in our leadership, whatever role you've put us in, that we would lead well and that we please you in all things. We pray this in your name. Amen. Lord, we, uh, amen. We just give our praise to you today, Lord. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, God. And we just pray that we would be a place that could give our praise to you. We pray that many would come, Lord, who don't know you yet. And this would be a place where they could come to, to bring their praise to you as they experience you in a firsthand way. God, we pray that your hand will be up our congregation as we move into the future and you'd guide us step by step, every step of the way, as you build us into your field, your building, your temple. We just acknowledge that you are a leader, Lord that we follow, we follow you. God, and each of us here, we want to just carry out our assignments to be part of your workforce. May this be a place, Lord, what would cry out, the praise would cry out to you from this place for these three value, valleys that we serve. God, that many would come to know you in a new way. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.